This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He put, oh, he's going hard. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football final, I guess, regular season edition, regular season-ish edition, uh, preview, previous show at least. Uh, I'm your host, Ishmael Johnson, here sitting in the studio with producer Mal Pal. Mallory, how are you? Good. Good to be back. Yeah. And on the other line, Mike Craven, battling, having his flu game right now. Mike, <laughs> how are you doing? I'm hanging in there. I'm better than I was uh, earlier in the week. So we're 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 getting we're getting there. So it's going to take a few more days. Yeah, there you go. Uh, for those concerned, no, it is not COVID. So you know, Mike Mike is is not that kind of sick, but good enough to uh, still have a preview podcast with us, especially because this is a huge one. This is conference championship. It's weekend. exciting. Yeah, conference championship weekend plus uh, the Army Navy game, I believe, also going on. Uh, the big kind of typically we obviously run through all the FBS games. Uh, going through, but since there are only a co- like three FBS games, we're going to throw in a couple FCS as well, um, and we're going to get a little bit more time on each of them as well because we don't have to rush through, get out, you know, we don't have to talk about, no offense, we don't have to talk about Rice playing, I don't know who, <laughs> North Texas playing, I don't know who, and a Texas playing, I don't know who, right? We can just, we can just, we don't have to act like we can, we're going to watch those games. I no Rice know. and Law Tech. We don't have to watch Rice and Law Tech again. We don't have to watch <laughs> Texas lollygag to the finish line again. Uh, we can just focus on the games that we're going to be watching. So, uh, yeah, I'm actually really excited for this one. But before we do. Do got some little nuggets of news to cover. One of them was, uh, the, of course, the college football playoff dropped yesterday. This is uh, we're recording on December 2nd. They dropped on December 1st. Um, no real huge changes, in my opinion. I mean, uh, UTSA dropped out of the nothing playoff. Nothing unexpected. Right, yeah. nothing unexpected. UTSA dropped out of the playoff. But as far as, like, national title implications, you know, I thought there's really no Texas team involved this year. I mean, mm-hmm. Baylor, of course, is nine. But... Even if they win, beat Oklahoma State, I don't, they're not going to jump in. Um, of course, I guess the only one that I think would be of interest is, and we can talk about it, is Houston. Mm-hmm. Because Houston would be a one-loss conference champion if they beat Cincinnati. But would they get the New Year's Six highest? I don't I don't see Cincy dropping that far. but Because right now they're four. I don't see them dropping that far. Houston at 21. But that would create an interesting debate for the last, because apparently, you know, according to the uh, uh, playoff, they do basically start from scratch. So they wouldn't be, they wouldn't be necessarily dropping Cincinnati. They'd be ranking them below Houston if that were to happen, right? Right. Because apparently they do wipe the board clean. They don't, and then they start new every week. According to them, how how true is that? I don't know. I'm not behind the scenes. Uh, the other news that dropped was that the playoff expansion is uh, no decision on that, surprisingly, of course. Uh, they'll revisit it in January. At this point, I just think they're getting all expense paid vacations to Dallas every yep. once in a while. So, um, sure, why not? I guess if they want to come back and take a trip here before the national title game, sure, I guess we can do that. Um, I, 
I, I honestly, I think this is the worst year to argue for a playoff expansion <laughs> because yeah. we have potentially Oklahoma State getting in, Michigan who hasn't been in, and Cincinnati potentially. A G5 team. A that's G5 that's why team. people want to expand the playoffs anyway. Right. And yeah. they're – I mean, if everything goes as we think it will, mm-hmm. they're going to make it. So. Right. And so that's, I think that I've been joking on Twitter is like, why wow, I can't believe people are so against Cincinnati and Oklahoma State potentially getting in that they're trying to angle for Notre Dame, Ohio State, and <laughs> Ole Miss. Because that's what would happen if the playoff expanded this right. year. Um, of course, you know, if you follow me and Mike Craven on Twitter especially, you know our opinion of the playoff. I think it's fine at four. I think natural attrition of programs like Ohio State and, and uh, uh, Oregon and, and those programs – result in things like this and to me i don't want the season to focus more around a playoff which is what would happen if uh eight to ten or twelve or whatever teams get in it would create more emphasis on this playoff that i already think isn't that interesting as it is and not to mention it would create more for the haves and not the have-nots you'll get one slot for a cincinnati Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean a uh, a houston gets in that wouldn't mean a UTSA or a Louisiana would get in. It would mean more power five Iowa's. It would mean more, no offense, Mallory, Michigan State, <laughs> Oklahoma's. Yeah. It would mean more of those programs. Right. It would not mean the Sunbelt champion gets a representative. No, that's not how they wouldn't, they wouldn't make it that way. Right. So, the results are going to be the same no matter how big you expand the playoffs. You know, right. it's always going to come out to be a Georgia and Ohio State and Alabama. That's just never going to change. We're going to want, oh, why don't we expand it to 16? Why don't we expand it to 18? Yep. 24? It's always going to be an argument. And then we're going to have a NCAA tournament again, just like in basketball. Is, is <laughs> we're going to be at 64 teams. Yeah, exactly. So like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, oh, you, like I said, if you follow me and Mike, you already know our opinions on this. So. <laughs> and you wouldn't need this week, right? Like the yeah. games we're about to talk about wouldn't matter. If you're Georgia, you would just rest your starters and use it like week 17 used to be in the NFL. I mean, it would, it would completely dilute uh, what college football has. And that's that on any given Saturday, you can be shocked and surprised and the whole landscape can change uh, that doesn't happen in the other sports because each individual game doesn't matter as much because so many teams are going to make the playoffs at the end and like y'all mentioned i mean look at the rankings right now if it's 12 teams this year cincinnati's the only g5 team getting in it utsa didn't even get into the top 20 mm-hmm. when they were undefeated houston's in the 20s right now on an 11 game win streak so you know those last four teams in would be mississippi baylor oregon mississippi state you know byu iowa right on the other side of that so mm-hmm. This idea that this is going to allow UTSA or Texas State or UTEP to compete for national championships is just naive and ludicrous. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on to uh, more of a more of a rumor. I don't know if this is a Twitter rumor, but it is kind of festering in in Texas Twitter right now. Some um, some non non zero players in the Texas media market. I'll say like it's not exactly like Brian Davis is reporting this, but like some guys that do have solid sources out there are kind of saying that there is a level of interest now i don't know how much that is to texas bringing in gary patterson whether that would be as a defensive coordinator or in some capacity i don't know but apparently this is more than just uh twitter nonsense um now there's also been reported that i believe that gary patterson hasn't contacted they haven't had direct contact with gary patterson uh that's another uh, apparently something else that's kind of going through um so whether that's Gary Patterson's representatives, whoever they may be, kind of talking with Sark, I don't know. First of all, let me just say this will be a terrible idea, in my opinion. It's been one year with him. It's just been, well, it's, 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 also, it's been one year with him. Also, I don't know if I'm Sark, if I want to bring in an established veteran head coach to kind of just be 
watching over you. I don't, yeah. That's weird to me. Like, if I'm Steve Sarkeesian, I'm like, I kind of just want... I don't know. If, there, if there's another good coordinator out there, sure, that'd be another question. But, like, a Gary Patterson-type coordinator. Also, Gary Patterson res- basically got let go because of the on-field performance, right? Like, it, he, he isn't the Gary Patterson of 2010, so... I feel like they'd butt heads and just try to run. Like, he'd try to run the ship. Gary, and imagine just Gary Patterson taking orders from anybody. Yeah. That's not... It's not going to go over well. No, not at all. So, I don't know. I, I, I think Texas fans just want change, which is weird because right. it's been one year. But I think that's going to be the only reason. The only way this makes sense to me is if Sark is going to keep Kukowski and right. the idea is to bring in Patterson as kind of a defensive analyst to kind of help with the right. adjustment of the Big 12. Um, but yeah, I mean, as a, as a straight DC, I don't even see why that makes sense for Patterson. No, um, but unless he's just super angry at how it, you know, went down at TCU and wants to get back into the big 12 and maybe, you know, figure that out. And he does have a great relationship with Chris Del Conte. And so, uh, I do think there is something to it. There's some smoke there, but there's a, like y'all said, there's a lot of reasons this wouldn't make much sense. It wouldn't go as smoothly as it, you know, it may sound on paper. Yep. Lastly, a uh, couple of uh, actually three conferences uh, with Texas teams announced their all conference awards. Um, the Big 12 was the big one, obviously. Uh, they had they announced their defensive player of the year, Baylor's Jalen uh, Petrie. Offensive freshman of the year, Texas Xavier Worthy. Special teams player of the year, Baylor's Tristan Ebner. Offensive lineman of the year, ba- uh, Co- Baylor's Connor Galvin. Uh, 11 Texan players were on the first team. 11 Texan players were on the second team. The biggest probably question mark being Bajan Robinson being a first-team selection over Abram Smith. God bless Danny Davis for being a Texas writer who's had the nerve to say that Abram Smith should have probably been over <laughs> Bajan Robinson, or at least that Bajan Robinson probably did not deserve to be on first team. You could say, oh, he rushed for this many yards in this many games. Sure, fine. Compare the game. I had a theory that this award was decided or this uh, that recognition was decided after his TCU game, which, again, was more or less at the time his like Heisman coming out performance. Since that point, I don't know if you can look at the two players, uh, him versus Abram Smith, and say that Abram Smith hasn't been the better running back. Talent wise, obviously, Bashan Robinson's better. But this is a this is an award and recognition based off production. I still think it, of course, you have to take into account that Bajon Robinson did not finish the season because that's less stats and numbers going his way. Abram Smith almost averaged an entire yard more than Bajon Robinson did. And since uh, Bajon Robinson, let me see, I'm trying to find it. Since October 16th, which was his game against Oklahoma State, Bajon Robinson's game, he did not have another 100-yard rushing game. And, of course, he, I mentioned he did not finish the season either, either due to injury. So, I don't know. That's kind of... It, that's kind of my thing with this. I think Abram Smith's been the catalyst for this Baylor team, him and Ebner, of course, but the catalyst for probably the best or second best team in the Big 12, and I thought he kind of deserved that recognition. Uh, Jalen Warren was the other first team uh, running back, which is obviously way deserved. Yeah, I mean, Abram Smith has more yards. He has more touchdowns. He averages more yards per carry. Yeah. Um, like you said, John Robinson hadn't rushed for over 100 yards since October 16th. He only has one rushing touchdown since October 16th, right? And mm-hmm. he played three more games. And so if we're doing a draft, I'll take John Robinson first over maybe anybody else on that first team. But yep. that's not what this is. This is a, a production-based award postseason, you know, based on your f- full season. And 
Is it on Bijan Robinson that his elbow got dislocated? Uh, absolutely not. Right. Uh, but that's that's football, and that's how this works. And you know, if you look at if I just did a player A and a player B, and we put each stat down next to to those things, everybody would pick Abram Smith's stat, stat line as the uh, first team All Big Twelve running back. And so I just don't I don't really see what the debate is unless you just think this should be about who is the most talented player. Yep. Um, some of the other awards, <clears throat> the AAC as well, special teams player of the year, Marcus Jones. Uh, I was hoping he would get both special teams and defensive, but unsurprisingly, they weren't. Uh, they were going to give that to a Cincinnati. They ended up giving that to a Cincinnati player on defense. Uh, seven players from Texas on the first team for the AAC, 12 players on the second team, which is impressive because, again, we're just counting Houston and SMU <laughs> basically for that conference. So that's pretty impressive that they were able to, to kind of load up. Um, as far as that's concerned. And then Dalton Cooper from Texas State, named third team Sunbelt. Um, he's been the starting tackle there for two seasons now. So um, there's some lone representation for, you know, kind of a uh, underwhelming Texas yeah. State season. But still. <laughs> <laughs> underwhelming. I'll leave it. That's a little that. bit. Best, best one in seven years, sir. <sighs> <laughs> All right, fine. Um, anyway, there was another game. Uh, there was a game. A couple games. One of them is not on the rundown, um, but there is one game on the rundown that I do want to kind of touch on. SWAC preview, SWAC championship. Mike Craven, Prairie View versus Jackson State. What are your thoughts on this one? This one's Saturday, December 4th at 3 p.m. on ESPN2. Thank God for some national title exp- or national television exposure. Mike, what are you thinking about this one? A uh, little known fact about me, I kind of the first assignments I had at Dave Campbell's were – writing the swag previews at yeah. the magazine in like 2013 12 or whatever so always been a big fan of swag football i saw prairie view a&m play earlier this year when they played against uh, arkansas pine bluff there uh, a really good team explosive offense can really run the football they are on a three-game losing streak though uh, mm-hmm. one of those is against a&m A&M's. so maybe that one doesn't count uh, but they're not playing their best football down the stretch where uh, Jackson State absolutely is, you know, on an eight-game winning streak. Um, and so I, I think it does kind of lean more towards Deion Sanders' group. I mean, they're going to have, you know, more talent on paper. I definitely have more momentum. It's going to be a tough challenge for Prairie View, in my opinion. I think if, if Jackson State – we'll talk more about kind of which conference championship participants have, like, more to lose. To me, this is a this is a once in a like a huge chance for Jackson State because they got. Remember when when they announced the hire of Deion Sanders? That was like a joke, right? That was like I can't believe they're doing. They're, they're about to. They're on the verge of a conference championship, and they're selling out that stadium. Like it's paid off, right? As whatever you want to think about Deion Sanders as a personality or whatever, it's for what they wanted it to do. It's clearly worked. What are they ten and one right now head, uh, heading into this championship game, mm-hmm. and. Yep. So I, uh, there was a reason why, you know, it kind of got shot down quickly, but there was a reason why his name got connected with TCU early on, because like there is something to what he's doing, right? I believe they brought in either the best or second or to at least top five uh, FCS recruiting classes. Um, he's obviously somebody, somebody with the pedigree that people want to play for, right? You see Deion Sanders, you know Deion Sanders, you're, you know, especially kids now, their parents talk about him, they've seen him on TV, they want to play for this guy. And so I think that this is kind of a huge moment for Jackson State and kind of HBCU as well, because he brought attention to that football, that football scene and the swack in a way that not many personalities do. Tennessee State ended up hiring Eddie George, Right. Not as obviously not as famous as Deion Sanders, but similar line of thinking. And 
I think if they go out and win a conference championship, you're gonna. I think you're gonna see, especially at the HBCU level in the SWAC. I think you're gonna see this a little bit more, where you you go and you say, let's just get a guy who can get attention to this program and get people excited about this because it's not just happening recruiting wise, it's not just happening on the field. They're, or they're winning. They're actually selling out stadiums. You know, in a game, in a in a in a, a section of the sport where we joke about, oh, people just show up for halftime and leave. Like, no, people are there to watch Jackson State football. So, I don't know. I'm I'm really interested to see how this one goes for them. I think it's really cool. I mean, yeah. I, I grew up in, in Houston, and Texas Southern tickets, for example, were always pretty cheap. So we went to a lot of those games growing up, and I, I just think it's cool that like the swack is getting the attention that it deserves. I would imagine more people watch this championship game than, mm-hmm. you know, the last five or six, you know, easily. Um, oh, yeah. So it's pretty cool that eyeballs are there. And it'll be interesting to see kind of how this changes in recruiting. If, if those teams do become players and some of those, you know, transfers or some of the high school kids coming out, um, you know, having names like Deion Sanders, Eddie George, that can only lend, lend, towards the credibility of the league and just kind of the whole experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other game that's not on the rundown is the FCS playoff game, Incarnate Word at Sam Houston oh, yes. State. Uh, that's at 2 p.m. Um, oh, that's going to be so on Saturday. Good. Oh, my goodness. So if it weren't for one other game that we're going to talk about right after this, this would be the best quarterback matchup yep. in the state going on this yep. year, this 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 week. Uh, Cameron Ward versus uh, Eric Schmidt. Mike, you've seen both these teams, uh, obviously not playing each other, but you've seen both these teams, and Sam Houston was not at 100% uh, when you did see them. But are you expecting a shootout? I am expecting a shootout. That's that Stephen F. Austin offense, uh, when I did see Sam Houston, was able to, to get some yards passing the ball, were able to move the ball a lot, score some points. And so I'd imagine Incarnate Word can do the same thing. The problem for Incarnate Word is I don't think they can stop Sam Houston. So mm. this may be one of those last one with the ball wins. But you look at Cameron Ward's stat line, and it looks like when you created a player on like video games or whatever, and just like we're winning Heisman's against rookie level competition. He has Mm -hmm. 4,167 yards, 42 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. The thing with Sam Houston though, is they've been here before like this. Everybody on that roster Mm -hmm. for the most part has won a championship, has won playoff games. This is all new for incarnate word. And I talk about this all the time. You know, rarely do you just go from like nothing to everything. There's steps involved. Like I'm a big NBA guy. And you always see teams like they have to win a first round first and then they get to the conference championship. Then they get to the NBA finals. It feels like Incarnate Word has overachieved already and they're going to run into a Sam Houston team that is used to this atmosphere, is used to these stakes. And I think that will help them down the stretch in that game. Yep. The winner of this will play Montana or Mont- the winner of Montana State and UT Martin, which looks like to be Montana State probably favored in that game. Uh, both of them will be going on at the same time. Uh, and that'll be it for those previews. Mallory, let's get into our FBS previews this week. Speaking of another game that will most likely be a shootout, uh, first up we've got the Conference USA Championship. UTSA taking on Western Kentucky this Friday, December 3rd at 6 p.m. You can watch this game on CBS SN, Western Kentucky favored by three. First of all, uh, the reason why – the fact that this game's on CBS SN is the reason why Cuse is dying, um, because that, <laughs> this should not be on CBS SN. Um, secondly, okay, we saw this matchup earlier in the year, obviously. The, I don't want to say the teams went on two different trajectories, because UTSA obviously just barely lost last week. But Western Kentucky hit a new groove, obviously unbeaten since then. The defense has picked up since then. UTSA, I would say, has shown a little bit more cracks in the armor since then. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but the big question I have for this one, and this is the question I posed to Mike, we saw how UTSA won that game, right? They they forced a turnover late. They held them to a field goal early. They jumped up 14-3 to and kind of were able to hold on to a lead and basically may play uh, let Western Kentucky play catch-up while they just kind of maintained a lead. Frank Harris, of course, was generational in that game, one of his best games of the year. Can UTSA win another way, or is that the blueprint? I think UTSA has to win another way. Mm. I, I don't I don't think UTSA can win another shootout, right? That's one of those once-in-a-season type situations where you kind of out-duel the duelsmen. Uh, I believe for UTSA to win this game, it's going to have to be about sincere McCormick. It's going to be about ball control. It's going to be about forcing field goals instead of touchdowns, quick starts. So in a way, yeah, I guess they do have to follow that same um, kind of formula they had the first time. Mm-hmm. But I, I just you can't count on Frank Harris throwing six touchdowns, not because he's not capable, just because I mean, how how often does that happen, right? Like that's right. that's like a once in a lifetime type game. And Western Kentucky has been much much better defensively uh, the last few weeks. I would say UTSA has struggled defensively the last couple of weeks, especially on offensive line and defensive line mm-hmm. has kind of been an issue for UTSA lately. So they're going to have to play their best football that they've played in a long time. The UTSA we've seen in November is not good enough to beat Western Kentucky that we've seen in November. And, and the gambling line has shown that. I mean, it started off as pretty much a pick when it was first released on Sunday. It's grown to as much as three and a half for Western Kentucky. So I think that shows – kind of where everybody's feeling on this one where UTSA was a feel-good story, a really good football team, but maybe this is a little too much. And where Western Kentucky, just they can put up points. I mean, they haven't scored less than 30 points in a game all year, and they've played Michigan State, right? They, yeah. they scored 31 on Michigan State. So if you're UTSA, it's hard to imagine you can not win You can win this game without scoring fewer than 30 points. Um, you're, we're just going to have to see if Frank Harris can do that again. Yeah, Western Kentucky's up to 39th in passer rating allowed, uh, which is an insane jump from where they were at the beginning of the mm-hmm. year. UTSA is down to 85th now. So, again, it has been kind of a, a resurgence for that Western Now, part of that obviously helps playing the conference schedule as opposed to playing their, not, their tough non-conference schedule. But it goes to show you that that unit wasn't as bad as we kind of originally thought. Um which, yeah, that'll be – I mean, it'll obviously help that they're playing in the Alamo Dome. It doesn't count as a home, quote-unquote, home game, but it is – it really is. Um, no weather to worry about. No weather to worry about, <laughs> obviously. Uh, Jeff Traylor, I think I think I saw somewhere he's 11-1 and one or 10-1 and one in the Alamo Dome. So, wow. again, that's going to be something else to be in his favor. Uh, another hostile, hostile crowd, so it'll be interesting to see how Bailey Zappi and those guys handle that. Mike, I told you before we started recording, I had some prop bets because you are my favorite degenerate gambler. So I want to get your thoughts on some of these. Uh, will either team score three unanswered times? Minus 700 for yes, plus 450 for no. As in, like, they score on three Three on Yes, yes. Three, one of these teams will score three consecutive times unanswered. Uh, I'd vote yes. You would? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'd I vote do. yes. I don't. I, I would imagine there's more touchdowns than punts in this game, right? Mm-hmm. Like there will be more possessions with points than there will be possessions without points in this game. Okay. Yeah. Longest touchdown over four uh, over fifty four and a half is minus two sixty. Under is plus two hundred. 
I'd probably go with over. UTSA has given up some big plays lately. I'd imagine Western Kentucky and Jareth Stearns can, can figure out a way to at least get one of those. And I, and I wouldn't be surprised if Sincere McCormick broke a 55, 60 yard run at some point in this game either. Sure. Yeah. He's been, he's been known to do that very early. Uh, speaking of that, scoring first, Western Kentucky minus 125, UTSA minus 105. Oh man! See, the, the, what's so hard about that is you don't know who wins the coin flip. Yeah, that's right. you know whoever like, wins the coin flip's gonna score first. I feel like right, like like team with ball first scores first. Yep. you know, yep. kind of is kind of. I mean, maybe that's just the way I feel about this game, but it, it's just hard for me to imagine that the defenses have a ton of success, especially early, mm-hmm. because like it, it's going to take a little while to settle in, not only to the atmosphere, but to the adjustments each team has made because they've played each other before. So I'd imagine. You know, they know what worked the first time. They know what didn't work the first time. Uh, I, w- I think both offenses are going to have a pretty big game. Yeah. And I think uh, Jeff Trailer told uh, Greg Luca from the San Antonio Express News when he asked him about the defense, he was like, I don't know how to stop the, that offense. Nobody else has stopped that offense. Like, he's like, basically was like, if anybody knows, let me know. You know, it was like, yeah. it was kind of like, you, know how to, you, you don't stop do him. You just you got a job. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. You, you don't stop him. You just got to score more than they do. Right. Really so. just, or, or hold them to field goals. But, yeah. you know. I mean, we've talked we've talked about Bailey Zappi a, a lot on this podcast. Yeah. Like Jareth Stearns' stat line, it's, it's maybe a joke even that he's more not absurd. For the 127 catches for 1539. Oh my right. gosh! It's a joke that he's not for, uh, for the Belenikov. Like it's a like, joke. What is that? Right. That's 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 video that's video game numbers. That's yeah. numbers that you again like. You, your friends keep saying, "Hey, quit messing around in NCAA with your five star receiver." Right. Like that's, <laughs> that's basically what they do. And, like my little yeah. my little brother used to play that game, and like he like you know he's the type of guy that would just want to win like eighty to zero. Right. You know there was no like parity involved or whatever, and like I would make fun of him for having a receiver that had one hundred twenty seven catches for fifteen thousand for fifteen hundred yards. Right. Uh, by the way, I didn't realize this till I looked it up. Bailey Zappi's nine touchdown passes away from breaking Joe Burrow's record. He's wow. averaging – Joe Burrow averaged four touchdowns a game last year. Bailey Zappi is averaging 4.3. Now, you could say, oh, there's only two, ga- there's only two games left. That's only five touchdowns and four touchdowns, mm-hmm. right? For Bailey Zappi, that's not an insane He could do that amount. in one he game. He could do that. He could do legitimately <laughs> – He could do that in one half, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> like, not – the fact that he's that – he's been that prolific and that offense has been that prolific has been absolutely nuts. And it's partially why this game means so much for both programs. Obviously, UTSA – mean needs this game because they want to have that cap to the season right Mm -hmm. no matter what happens in the bowl game if they have that conference championship obviously craven you would love to win the bowl game but if they have a conference championship if they have finish off this historic season boom there is some type of cap despite what happens in the bowl game Mm -hmm. western kentucky's in a similar spot because western kentucky made one of the biggest moves in the offseason importing this entire offense right zach kitley is probably not going to be there as offensive coordinator next year uh, mainly because, of course, uh, Texas Tech might be hiring him to be their offensive coordinator very soon. But um, somebody's going to be looking his way. Bailey Zappi is going to be an NFL prospect, whether or not he's going to be a late uh, 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 undrafted or late day or whatever. He's going to be somewhere. Jared Stearns pr- might come back, but he's, he's still a junior, but he might test his case too. This is kind of a bank year for Western Kentucky kind of striking gold randomly mm-hmm. just importing this entire offense from Houston Baptist so both teams are playing for so much here as far as and I will say something in favor of UTSA is that Jeff Trailer is going to be there that structure is going to be there you know they're they're not losing coaches and a bunch of players and so they're gonna they're not going to fall apart next year that's not out of the question for Western Kentucky who 
wasn't great before this year, before they did this with their offense. So I don't know, just a lot of different storylines and a lot of different, um, uh, to me, there's no, like this team loses more or this team gains more. I think this, I don't know. There's so much, there's so the stakes are so high for both of these teams. In my opinion, there's a lot to play for. Right. It, it honestly feels like UTSA is a little bit more sustainable than what's oh, yeah. happening at Western Kentucky. Right, right, hundred percent, one thousand percent. I definitely yeah. feel that because at least you know UTSA's at least got a little bit of that ground game with Sincere McCormick. I don't think Western Kentucky can run the ball at all, really. Yeah, I don't that's think they've fair. got really much of a run game at I don't all. Think but they try to. <laughs> yeah, I, I, when you've got Bailey Zappi, why, <laughs> why even try? All right, Mallory, what's next? Up next, we have the Big 12 Championship. Baylor taking on Oklahoma State this Saturday, December 4th at 11 a.m. You can watch this game on ABC. And Oklahoma State favored by five and a half. All right, so as of recording, we do not know the status of Gary Behennan. Um, yes. I th think Dave Aranda said he was practicing. Um, I don't remember if he suited out or not, but obviously Blake Shapin started over the weekend. And, uh, yeah, so... That's kind of huge. We don't. I mean, Blake Shapin looked solid. Um, I don't think it's enough to worry about Baylor getting pummeled or anything like that. I don't think that's going to happen. But I do wonder. Like, this is the best defense of the Big Twelve that he's going up against. Like, and one of the best in the country. What does Blake Shapin look like against a defense that kind of knows and has some film on him now that kind of knows that Baylor might not be operating at full capacity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, look at what Oklahoma State's done to kind of new quarterbacks, right? Like Chandler Morris has that huge game. The next week they, he plays Oklahoma State, never hear from him again, right? Mm -hmm. Donovan Smith has a huge game against Iowa State in his first ever start. The next week they play Oklahoma State. He barely gets – I don't even think he got to 100 yards passing. Uh, you know, Shapin did look good a, against Texas Tech, but he also threw two or three balls that probably should have been intercepted and maybe would be – had they been playing Oklahoma State. So he flirted with disaster a, a few times there. I was at that game last week. Garrett behind it, he did dress out and he did warm up a little bit pre-snap or pre-game. Mm -hmm. uh, but when Shaven had to come off for a play when he just got completely wrecked by Rico Jeffers, it was uh Kylan Jones that came in for that for that snap. So mm -hmm. I'm just not sure how healthy Gary Bohannon is. And for a guy to be in his second ever college start in a conference championship game against a defense that truly is elite like it is a really really good oklahoma state defense that's just a tough task you know i i just don't think baylor can run their way to victory mm -hmm. they're going to run the ball a lot but i don't think that they can count on abram smith and Tristan Eb ebner kind of dominating the game they're going to need something out of that passing attack and it's just hard to think a redshirt freshman with that little experience is going to be able to do that um, considering how good this Oklahoma State defense has been to opposing quarterbacks that don't have much experience. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of that defense, too, I went back and looked at some of the stats for the Oklahoma State-Baylor game earlier in the year, mm -hmm. and Baylor only converted on third down three times. Yeah. So Baylor's got to move that ball on first and second down, and if they get to third down, it's going to be hard to, to get in the end zone. That, and that, that's, and that's, go sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, and I was going to say, you know, one of the things that Jeff Grimes probably needs to do in this game is call it backwards. You know, yeah. I, I got, you know, like instead of running the ball on first down, running the ball on second down, and then getting yourself into third and seven, you know, I Absolutely. think we're going to see Baylor throw the ball more on early downs and maybe run it more on later downs just to kind of mix that up and get off script and, and to give Blake Shapin better the, – the easy is a lot like basketball where sometimes the best shots you're going to get is within seven seconds. Mm -hmm. uh, the best looks you're going to get as a quarterback is first down. 
And so I, I think we see them throw the ball more on first down in hopes of staying out of third long. Yeah, they're, and Baylor's top 50-ish in third down percentage. Like, they're a pretty solid team when it comes to converting on third downs. Um, I was looking up, let me see, Oklahoma State versus the run, only averaging – teams are only averaging 2.8 on the ground against them. And again, this is against this. Is, they played Abram Smith this year. They mm-hmm. played these teams uh, that were there, this, this players and the uh, Bijan Robinson things like that. Obviously, Bijan probably had the be- I think he had the best game against them anyone's had basically. Um, but yeah, and Baylor's a good Baylor's a good third down team. They're a great fourth down team, and Oklahoma State basically put them in scenarios where they couldn't. Do they uh, yeah, they couldn't yeah. do anything until they couldn't get close enough to even go for it on fourth down. And in if that happens again, yeah, I. I I like Blake Shapin, but I don't think this is a scenario where you you can be, afford to maybe be aggressive with him. And uh, I remember too. I think that game didn't Spencer Sanders throw like three yeah, interceptions no, yeah, too, he, and they still lost yeah, by that much. It was it's that it's that defense. He he got the the bad Spencer Sanders game that you hoped for, right? And it didn't matter. I mean, the game was <laughs> at that point. The game is handed to you yeah. if you're turning the ball over that many times and you can't do anything with it. There's a problem. If this is last year, like, you win that game. Right, right. Oklahoma right. State's defense has completely turned into, I mean, the best of the Mike Gundy era, very least. Um, and I think another thing going against Baylor, I mean, Mike, is this the is this the most important game of your lifetime in Oklahoma State history? Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah, it's got to be. Yeah. Right? I mean, it, it actually absolutely has to be. Yeah, and so I wonder, like, because I mean, the other, the other, I guess the other one would be the Brandon Whedon team, but like, again, that they needed to kind of help to get in, and it wasn't like a guarantee. This one's like playing; you're in the playoff, man, and you, and you know, whatever happens, you probably get, I don't know, Michigan or I don't know who they would probably get, Georgia, whatever, but yeah. still playing, you get in, and I think that's another, unfortunately, another thing going against Baylor is that they're playing against a team, probably playing for uh, all of its prestige right there, yeah. right on the line. Because so. like we mentioned it, Baylor's not getting it in the playoffs. They'll probably get a New Year's Six Bowl, oh, yeah, you they know, will, if yeah. they end if up they winning. Win, yeah. But uh, if they don't, there's just no way for them to get into the playoffs. I will say huge coup for Bob Bowlesby, getting both of these teams in the Big 12 title game as opposed <laughs> to uh, uh, handing the trophy to Oklahoma or having to, which was a possible scenario that people maybe speculated at the beginning of the year, Texas and Oklahoma playing for a title game. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. <laughs> Baylor, tables have turned. Oh, my gosh. If Bay- <laughs> Baylor and Oklahoma State, he is loving it right now. So, uh, well, I mean, there's basically two Big 12 championship games going on this weekend because oh, Houston Cincinnati is yeah. kind of a pseudo one as right, well. Right, right. Uh, that's a good point. When, you know, the thing, that, the thing that's hard for me to imagine Baylor winning this game outright is if you look at Oklahoma State's lone loss, that was to Iowa State, mm-hmm. uh, you know, back mid- midway through the season. Mm-hmm. Even in that game, Brees Hall ran for 70 yards on 21 carries. So it wasn't about the running game. You're not going to beat this Oklahoma State team running the football. It took Brock Purdy being 27 of 33 for 307 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. I don't trust Blake Shapin to like replicate that type of performance, not because he's not good enough, mm-hmm. just because he's just too young and inexperienced to bet on that, right? Like It right. could happen. Anything could happen. But it's hard to imagine – he has one of those type of perfect games that you're going to need uh, to beat this Oklahoma State defense. And as Mallory mentioned, Baylor's already gotten the bad Spencer Sanders once mm-hmm. and lost. It's unlikely to get it again, right? And so uh, it just seems like a lot is stacked up against this Baylor team, although they should be the team that plays freer. Like we just mentioned, there's a lot more riding on this game for Oklahoma State than there is Baylor. I mean, Dave Aranda's in year two. They're ahead of schedule. 
if they win this football game, great. If they don't, they still had a fantastic season. It won't feel like just this failure, right? If Oklahoma State loses this game, I think it will kind of feel uh, like a letdown, like the season didn't turn out the way it was supposed to. So maybe that plays into Baylor's advantage and they can start hot and get a lead. And if they can, this Oklahoma State team's not really built to come back. And Mm -hmm. so I think that first quarter becomes super important for both of these teams on Saturday. I think one. I, have, I found one prop bet that I'm really fascinated by, and I'm going to get your thoughts on. So it's, it's another score first, but this one I think is very interesting. Oklahoma State minus 140, Baylor plus 110. I would. I, I'm not a gambler, so I want to get your thoughts on this. But I see that. I would jump on Baylor because the first driver to one, it's not a guarantee that if Oklahoma State gets wins of coin toss, they're going to score. Mm-hmm. Two. If there's one drive that Blake Shapin's going to look good on, it's going to be the first drive for Baylor. Yep. And so that's my opinion on it. Mike, what are you thinking about that? Yeah, that's that's a good point right there. I mean, I, I think ideally you kick off, get a punt, start on like 35, 40-yard line, and then, yeah, get down there and score. Right. I do think you're right. The scripted plays, and it happened against uh, Texas Tech last week. Yep. You know, the, the best that Blake looked was in that first drive when he hit Ebner on that 61-yard touchdown pass, which was a thing of beauty. That was probably his best-looking drive. Those first couple drives where everything was scripted. So, yeah, I'm with you on that one. I think Baylor's offense has a better chance to have success early than they do late, and that's why a quick start is so important for the Bears. Yep. And if you hit on any of those, uh, please send me. Uh, I'll give you my Venmo if you want to split that one. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, oh, man. We'll get, we'll get issues-only getting... fans out there pretty soon. <laughs> Oh, All right, God. calm down. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Mallory, what's the last game we're doing here? <laughs> last up on this week's slate, the AAC Championship, Houston versus Cincinnati, this Saturday at 3 p.m. You can watch this game on ABC Cincinnati, favored by 10 and a half. Ooh, and I am huge. Okay, so obviously I've talked about biggest game in Oklahoma State history, biggest game for UTC. I'm a fan of hyperbole, clearly. So I'm going to throw <laughs> this one out there. Biggest game in G5 history. Yes. Absolutely. It's got to be. Oh, wow. Wow. It's got to be. Maybe I mean, Boise State, Oklahoma in that bowl game? Sure, sure. I mean, yeah, that was. This all, is playing. You're playing for a, a playoff spot. I was about in to this say, one. Like, that one, this that is one, huge. That one was definitely. I mean, that's the other argument, right? That game is it kind of validated G5 football and kind of validated the fact that mid majors and football level can, can beat, compete, and beat uh, top level programs and blue bloods. I, I, is this not passing that though in terms of ver- validating them on a championship level because they're just yeah, it, might, it might be unless cincinnati loses sure yeah, yeah that's fair which right. could happen and, and then it and then it's like what does that do for you know, you know g5 football or whatever and yeah. you know honestly i don't know if it's fair to even consider both of these teams g5 football programs that's fair anymore, that's right fair. yeah yeah, because they're they're really not. They're I mean, anymore. Yeah, 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 that's very true. Yeah, I mean, they're they're Big Twelve football programs essentially, right? And right. so you know, they should be beating the AAC teams. They should be two of the best G five programs because they are seen as programs that are about to be you know Power Five schools. This game is intriguing as heck to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think Houston presents some problems to Cincinnati that Cincinnati hasn't seen yet. Yeah, but I also saw Cincinnati. St- like steamroll SMU last week Mm -hmm. and they look like a team that knows this is their chance that this is this is their year if they're going to do it it has to happen right now that sense of urgency is going to be tough for Houston to overcome especially since the game is going to be in Cincinnati I think something that 
Houston can take advantage of with this Cincinnati team. This Cincinnati team is very prone to mistakes. Mm -hmm. There has been one game this year that Cincinnati hasn't had any turnovers, and that was against the Temple game. Even against that Mm -hmm. Notre Dame game, they had some turnovers. And Houston, they rank, uh, what is it, fourth in turnovers gained uh, this season. So, I mean, if if they can get this Cincinnati team on, on a, I guess, off day. I mean, you know, they've had some worse games. They've had a couple, like, they've had four turnovers in a couple games, maybe just one. But if they can get them in a spot where they're making mistakes left and right, then Houston, I think, can definitely take advantage of that. Yeah. The big, the biggest, pl- I think, uh, to that point, I think the biggest player, and the reason why I think Cincinnati hasn't been hurt by that is their defense, right? They turn the ball over, doesn't matter, the other team's probably not going to score, right? Mm-hmm. I think where Houston has something for that is Marcus Jones. Mm-hmm. If they can if he can get something going in the kick game to set up better field position, I think Houston can then close the gap a little bit more, right? Cuz if they get a kickoff, they get a punt and he's there and he gets some some return, boom, in better field position. If Marcus Jones gets a pick, which he's I believe he has 5 on the year, if he can get a pick, set them up in good field position mm-hmm. right there, that sets something up. I think he's going to be the reason why if Houston wins this game I think he's going to be the reason why whether it's from setting them up with good field position or getting a ball a turnover and then kind of squeezing that Cincinnati defense in a little bit in their own territory because you look at the defenses that they've played this year uh, Cincinnati I mean not great outside of Notre Dame right great Um, you look at the run games they've played the run defenses on the other side they've played against not great Houston's one of the best run defenses in the country and so I think this is going to be, you, again, ta- you could toss up between Notre Dame and, and Houston, but again, the, at that point, you're talking about a, a potential playoff team versus versus this, and I think those are the best teams that, by far, they're going to play this year. And so, to your point, I think that that's the reason why the turnovers haven't harmed them, is that Cincinnati's defense has been so lights out that field position almost hasn't mattered, unless it's really good field position. I'm trying to think of their echo rate on defense. It's even at that point, geez, it's still 24th in the country. So they, they teams don't finish drives against this defense. Um, I think Houston can, has a X factor that can negate that a little bit in Marcus Jones. Mm-hmm. I think Houston ranks eighth in the FBS for rush defense. And the yeah. last time that Cincinnati played a team that was pretty good uh, on defense in that area was mm-hmm. Notre Dame. And they held them under 100 rushing yards, right. too. So yeah, exactly. that's another bone to throw at, uh, at Houston. I would probably, and I would say Houston's a better offense than Notre Dame. Like Notre, that, Notre Dame's, that was yeah. their, yeah. that was their Achilles heel all season. That's what, there's reason why they lost that Cincinnati game. It wasn't, that close as the 24 to 13 uh, score said Cincinnati handled him pretty well. Um, the Wisconsin game, Notre Dame wasn't good in that. So I think that he, if you ask me to take a, um, a Clayton tune and Nathaniel Dell, sure. Yeah. I'll say like, if they're given opportunities, you know, Nathaniel Dell might hit something over the top against the Cincinnati defense that hasn't again, the SMU one. That's what gives me pause is because they completely nuked that SMU offense, right, which was pretty right. okay. Um, which is pretty good at that time. Um, but I still would – I don't know if I'd say Houston will win this game or I like Houston win this game, but I think that they just present some interesting challenges to the Cincinnati team. Cincinnati knew that SMU couldn't stop the run or the pass, really. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so really, they could just throw, on them, throw right. all over them all day. They know going into this game that Houston has a pretty good rush defense, so they're going to have to be more balanced on both. Sure. 
Yeah, for me, this is, you know, Houston's defensive line. Can it, can it, well, yeah, like Mallory said, can they eliminate the run and make Cincinnati a throwing team? And then at that point, maybe that defensive line known as Sack Avenue can get to the quarterback and really wreak havoc. You know, they've had, you know, multiple games of like six, seven sack games. You know, they're going to need something where they're, where they're putting Cincinnati in. Uh, third and long so that defense can get after Ritter there and then on the other side you know which Clayton Tune are we going to get all year long outside Mm -hmm. of that Texas Tech game this you know Tune has shown he has grown from last year where he's not a turnover machine over his last seven games it's 17 touchdowns two interceptions and both of those interceptions came in one game against Memphis so six of his last seven games he has not thrown a single interception and that's with a lot of attempts you know that's with averaging 32 33 attempts uh, per game. So if Clayton Tune can play a clean game, I think Houston can score points enough to scare Cincinnati. Uh, then it just comes down to, you know, can Marcus Jones come up with an interception? Can that defensive line come up with a few sacks? I think it's a great point uh, that Marcus Jones, as a special teams returner, is the X factor. Can they steal some points on special teams? Mm-hmm. And so there are ways for Houston to the win this game. I also would not be shocked if Cincinnati you know, won this one 38 to 20. Yeah, I know. It feels like it feels like we're teetering on that type of, like, is Cincinnati that special of a team? They could be, right? It might very well be. I think that SMU result, as troubling as it was for SMU, I think it all we also forget to parse how special this Cincinnati team and how dominant the Cincinnati team could be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is kind of why Houston's a perfect test because they match up in ways that Cincinnati hasn't been matched up before. They can match them in physicality. They can match them with athleticism. Um, and so, yeah, I am super, super fascinated because I feel like this game either goes close Houston, but it can also go close Cincy or blow out Cincy. Mm-hmm. I don't see a way that Houston runs away with this game, right? Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. And, you know, what's interesting is neither one of these teams has been in very many close games, honestly. Yeah, I mean, true. for Houston, it's back to that SMU game. I think Cincinnati had kind of a scare against Tulsa uh, back in mid- mid-November. Mm-hmm. But other than that, and not a lot of one-score games for either of these teams, it'll be interesting, you know, when it's close, kind of which team rises to the occasion. Because you could argue that the closer this is, the longer it goes, the more pressure builds onto Cincinnati, right? Like mm-hmm. Houston's playing with house money here. Cincinnati has everything to lose. Like we've just talked about, this could be considered the biggest G5 game of all time. If it's the fourth quarter and it's 34-34, where does that, where does those feelings go to, right? Like which team capitalizes on that uh, situation? I could see it uh, where if Houston can hang around here, Maybe Cincinnati makes some mistakes, you know, late, and that pressure just kind of gets to them. Yep. I think Cincinnati too is a team that will definitely play to their competition. Like, I mean, when you look back at their games, like you mentioned, Tulsa, Navy, those games were super close. They didn't look super stellar. Uh, I think Houston, on the other hand, is also a team that will play, you know, each game like it's their last mm-hmm. too, which I think could also go into their favor. Um, but also Cincinnati, Cincinnati knows how important this game is too. So yeah, I, I, I think I could see it going either way. Oh yeah, I'm definitely, uh, and we, t- we know we can talk, we can have a conversation about Holgerson and kind of his, you know, win or lose. We can have a conversation about what it means for him, but regardless, you know, if they come out and win this, right, all of a sudden proof of concept, boom, he, Holgerson was here where he, he, he provides you what he came here to do, right? Mm-hmm. He got you into the Big 12. He got you this conference championship. All of a sudden, you're potentially in line for a New Year's Six Bowl. I don't think they'll – again, I don't think the committee will drop uh, Cincinnati that low, but it at least puts you in that conversation. 
Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I feel like for where this was at the beginning of this year where we're saying, man, is Olgerson going to lose his job after losing to Tech? They could pull off one of the hugest, biggest wins in recent Houston memory and then mm-hmm. go on and, and, you know, put themselves in a conversation for a New Year's Six. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like this is going to be an insane weekend of games. Um, I'm looking forward to all of them, basically, because – Aside from, I mean, Oklahoma State, Baylor, we just kind of, we saw how it played out, and I'm less optimistic about Baylor. I still think Baylor could obviously win, but I'm less optimistic about them. The other two, and even looking at the FCS, I don't know what the hell the hell's going to happen. You know, like, yeah. I, I could legitimately see so many scenarios playing out, and the fact that they all kind of have, like, these outer narrative implications going right. on. Right. I feel like, though, to your point, the only game that really could just be that game, Houston and Cincinnati, I think if Cincinnati wins that game, I mm-hmm. think they're in no matter what. Sure, yes. Oklahoma State, I mean, that one where it gets a little rocky, you know, if Georgia beats Alabama, I don't think though, but if, if Alabama beats Georgia, I don't know. I just feel like that game, that Houston-Cincinnati game, if Cincinnati wins, yeah. that is the only game that I think, okay, that's the nail in the coffin for them. Right. You know, yeah. getting into the playoffs. Sure, sure. I think if, that that is a good point. If Georgia loses to Bama, I think. I think they're both getting in. Oh, yes, yep. yes, 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 exactly, yes. And I think one of Oklahoma State or Cincinnati, probably, unfortunately, Cincinnati, gets left out. Right. And so yep. that's it, that that does create, like, an interesting thing because both teams, Oklahoma State and Cincinnati, could take care of business. And then Bama beats Georgia. Okay, cool, both those teams are getting in. Yeah. With Michigan, probably, if they beat out Iowa. And then one of those teams, you know, uh, one of those teams that are absolutely deserving – is we're going to get left out when we're kind of back to square one with this kind of playoff conversation. So I know it's, it's, it's hard. Um, I, I don't want to say like, you know, Cincinnati's more deserving of Oklahoma state or Oklahoma state's more deserving of Cincinnati, but that's kind of how the committee is going to look well, at sure. it. I mean, at, at that point, point it, at that point it turns to big 12 versus AAC and they're going to leave right. probably big 12. Right. So. Which is disappointing, but that's just, that's how it goes. Yeah. Let's expand the playoff. I'm just kidding. <laughs> back to <laughs> totally <laughs> joking. <laughs> back to totally kidding. Reversing our stance on that is like actually. I mean, we we really only need Georgia versus Michigan. We don't need all this stuff anyway. I would be down. <sighs> I would be so down for that. I know you would not like that, Mallory. But. Yeah, well, I'll root for the Big Ten, but yeah, and Michigan has no competition this week. Iowa? Are you kidding me? Yeah. No. Well, like we're going to be glued in front of the TVs basically all day, yeah, including yeah. the fact that there's high school football still going on. The so playoffs many. are still going on. There's so many games. And every uh, game is so good, too. Every, every <laughs> game is high stakes. Uh, if you haven't kept up, the high school playoffs are in the fourth round now, play, uh, playing to go for a state semifinal. Uh, by the way, if you're not subscribed on Texan Live, go check those games out. we got a yeah. bunch of these games, all these regional final games going on. I'll be all over the state. We'll all be uh, all over the state covering the games. Matt Stab, Ashton Pickle, Greg Tepper. Actually, Greg will be in the studio, so he doesn't know. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, like I said, big slate of games. Make sure you follow, like, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We're still growing podcasts, so all your ratings do help, um, and your reviews do help us get noticed by the overlord corporate algorithm that pumps out whatever yes. they want to pump out because numbers and, and traffic uh, influence all that stuff. Uh, yeah, we will talk to you guys Sunday for a recap edition. Hopefully we're talking about some good results as far as Texas teams go, and we will talk to you guys then.